I'd like to pray. I saw a message before church that um, Stan and the team in, in Haiti had an emergency run to make again, and it's so been raining a bunch, and a lot of they can't go the way they usually go because of the rain. And so, I thought, well, let's take some time to pray for that. He said it'd be a four-hour trip in the Land Rover, so they're still on that trip. Anything else? that you'd like to pray about before we get started here. Laura. I'd like to pray. I'd like to thank you for your prayer. My kidneys and my liver is doing good. Okay. I still have to drink 64 ounces of water a day. Well, good. That's good for you. Yes. <laughs> but, they, but they're a little, still a little high and my liver's a little low, but the doctor said they're good. And you're feeling better? Yes. Well, good. You're looking good this morning. Anybody else? I have a friend who's expecting. She's eight weeks along. And, um, I have a friend who's expecting. She's eight weeks along, and they are saying that she um, is showing signs of losing her baby. Hmm. And she's bedridden, and there's people staying with them. Um, so she has a lot on her plate. So if we could pray that she could keep the baby. It's her. She had two miscarriages, and this is the third one that she's carrying. So if you pray that she could keep the baby. You can all stand with me as we pray. Father, we thank you for answered prayer and that Laura's feeling better and and you brought some healing there. We pray for Stan and the team as they are driving on wet, slippery roads to with an uh, emergency. a medical emergency, need to get a mother and her unborn baby out to uh, some medical help. Pray that you would keep them safe and as they go and, and protect this mother and baby. Pray for Sam Glick, that you'd bring healing and strength to him, that his liver would um, not be affected by the drugs that he's been taking and bring, keep Keep him and the team um, strong and healthy and free from malaria. Also pray for Lily's friend that this baby would be saved and that you would give them wisdom as they are facing much happening right now and that you would give them strength and, and bless them for all the work that they're doing, too. Lord Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. Hey, you may be seated. Well, today's uh, time for sharing. And I had to think, all the things that you heard this morning already, what has God... That kind of leaves you out, Art, I guess, except you heard things where you were. But... um, just different things. <clears throat> but as you process that, what has God spoke to you, even just this morning? Um, we've had, what? Josh read out of Luke 9. Javon read Hebrews 12. Isaac read Joshua, or, yeah, Joshua 1. Um, what stood out to you? And then, this, then we have the Sunday school lesson yet, too. And what was that second and third John? <clears throat> well, there's a, a lot of things. I was looking at, at um, the words aren't coming back to me right now. But <clears throat> in teaching, we can be given a lot, and we need a lot. 
if we don't know how to use a torch or a heater, we might blow ourselves up. So teaching is, is important. But then, what if I don't understand what the teacher was saying? And what if I haven't processed it? What if, you know, and so there's a couple things going on. And so we, I was just, as I was sitting here, I thought, you know, so what is happening? What did you get so far today? Should be 50% teaching and 50% facilitating. You know, what, what's happening? What are you thinking about? And so that's what this sharing time, uh, we need to take time for it in our lives so that, say, what, what did God show me? And kind of let it sink in. I'll start. There was a couple. <clears throat> Boy, a couple things. But the one, I'll save it for a little later maybe unless no one talks. Because it might go into a teaching a little bit. But what Josh read, what he started with. Uh, Jesus said, if you'll follow me, you'll deny yourself. That's a high, that's a high challenge. Am I up for the challenge? Or am I just going to lay that down and say, well, I can't do it? And that's a high invitation. Jesus said, follow me. He went to them and said, come. This is what I have to offer. Well, that was a challenge for me this week, and then when Josh read that, it really stood out to me, kind of reinforced it again for me. Need a mic over here to say Janelle. I was just thinking about um, some things I was reading in my devotions this week, um, especially the passage where I was reading in Matthew and where Jesus had the triumphal entry into Jerusalem and then he was healing people and then he cleansed the temple. And it just kind of stuck out to me how he rose to every circumstance and like he was so gentle with some people and then livid with anger toward other people and like he was the person for the occasion and yet he wasn't at all political. He didn't just go with whatever was like crowd pleasing at the time. He was called of God. He knew his calling and he rose to that calling but he also was very flexible to what each circumstance required. And yeah, I was just thinking about that. Um, in Sunday school, we talked just a little bit about um, trying to live off of yesterday's manna. Hmm. Um, that was a thought that came back to me from, I don't remember how long ago, but it's, and we talked some too about just abiding in Jesus, about it being a, a today relationship. And in my brain at least, that, that connects just how Jesus was current with what each circumstance required and for mm. us how, for me, how much I need to be walking with him today because I need to know his strength for today, for what I face today, for the, the people, the circumstances, whatever that I need for right now. And that's only gonna happen with a current relationship. So yeah, just thinking about that. So thinking about that, what makes it uncurrent? Okay. Anything else? What comes to mind? When I go tomorrow morning, how am I going to keep my relationship current with God? 
What gets in the way of that? Hebrews 12 says, lay aside every weight. Those are the things that get in the way of me being a disciple of Christ. So what gets in the way? What, what keeps me from being uncurrent or from being current? What makes me uncurrent? A mic up front here for your mom. I was just thinking about John Chow, the young man who was martyred on Sentinel Island, was it? And just how the nine years before God had put this tribe on his heart and he said every decision he made was for that goal of mm -hmm. reaching them and going to them. And I just think, for me, that's keeping current. Right? He's first, really, in my life and affects the decisions I make. And the lesson made me think about rightly dividing the word of truth and just, yeah, just my prayer that we would rightly divide the word of truth and that our children would, and we'd be in prayer for that because soon we won't be here. <laughs> our mm -hmm. children will be teaching our grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Uh, Laura? There you go. Please pray for me. This will be my first Thanksgiving without my dad. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those first the first can be difficult. Yeah. And also for Salone, too. Mm -hmm. It'll be their first without Salone. Yeah. <clears throat> I'd just like to um, share a couple of thoughts here, too, that <clears throat> blessed me in my reading this morning earlier. A few verses from Romans 5, and then I want to make a couple comments about them. For when we were yet without strength, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. So I was looking up a couple of the words in there. Well, first of all, just to note that he died for the ungodly and while we were yet sinners. Then I found that the words reconciled and atonement are basically the same Greek word. Um, and it, it has the idea of a mutual exchange. So that's an interesting thing. We talk about the exchanged life, and I, I had never really um, thought a lot about scriptural documentation for that. It's, it's a mutual exchange, and it's a restoration to the divine favor, that we are justified, we are reconciled, there's an atonement, an exchange for us. And then back in chapter 4, it talks about, in the relation to Abraham, he justifies the ungodly. And to, to justify there in that case is the idea of, of um, rendering one just or innocent. Or, or referring to them or showing that they are innocent or just. And <clears throat> I just thought, you know, while we're yet sinners and while we are ungodly, Jesus died for us. Not because we were good, not because we were some righteous person that he would dare to die for, but we were enemies, and yet he died for us, that we could be reconciled, we could be counted just, we could be counted innocent before a holy God. So what does that say about Jesus? Sure 
was thinking about that he would, <coughs> he moved toward us when we showed no interest. So what does that say about him? Yeah, the high invitation, leadership, love. I mean, there's some of the things I'm thinking of. That's, so then, what does that say about me as a follower of Christ? If that's who he was and what he did, what does that say? But, yeah, atonement, that's a, um, the exchange. That's something to ponder, too. I know I just... Um, Carol, you're studying bookkeeping, right? So my understanding is this atonement is a bookkeeper's term. There's an exchange that happens. If you take on a balance sheet, when you subtract from one side, you have to add it to the other side, right? You subtract from your, your um, assets and liabilities. And you could probably explain that better than I can or Someone else could, but there's an exchange. If you only do one side and not the other, you're going to mess the books all up. <laughs> but if any of you young people that get into bookkeeping, when you enter something, it has to go two places. It can't just go one place. And that's what this term, our atonement with Christ, his atonement on our behalf, there's an exchange life. It's not like he's just pouring energy into me but there's an old man that dies, right? There's, there's an exchange that happens, and that speaks to me of hope. Um, it's not changing the old man. There's an exchange happens. Because um, our sin is in his own body on the tree. Yeah. <coughs> so what do I get in exchange, Right? Think about that, right? Justification with, before God. Yeah, right, right. There's a reason that. Everybody read what they read today, right? Think about that, too. God has a message in what was read. What else? Isaac, your dad, up here needs a mic. I just, I don't know how many times I've read this, but for some reason at the, uh, with the Sunday school, uh, verse 10 jumped out at me. Um, second John, verse 10. And what jumped out was God's speed. Hmm. It says, don't bid them God's speed if it was... Um, if there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither, neither bid him God's speed. For he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. And I just, I mean, the only thing I can think of was um, John Glenn. When John Glenn went into space, his partner was communicating and right when they set off the rocket, they said, Bid, uh, Godspeed, John Glenn, as he went into space. And then later, not related, but um, in 1972, it was Christmas. <clears throat> they were in orbit for Christmas, and they read Genesis in, um, I think, the whole, like, first, you know, several chapters of Genesis mm -hmm. about the creation. And, uh, but anyway, still I don't really, like, it seemed to fit so well for John Glenn, but.
but I don't really understand Godspeed. Hmm. So I, I'm open, open to discussing that if you want. So what does it, what does it mean? You're, saying what, you're asking a question, what does this mean by bidding someone Godspeed? And like I said, it was so fitting, but I can't really understand why. Don't have a definition for it. Yeah. I don't know. I, like I said, I read this several times, but I never really, it, all of a sudden this morning when I was preparing for mm -hmm. Sunday school, I'm like, Godspeed, wow. That's not just a term that we use, it's actually right. scripture. Mm, so. I gotcha. So how do we know if we're doing it or not if we don't know what it means, right? Good point. <laughs> the the uh, Strong's definition here is be cheerful, calmly, happy, or well off, especially as salutations are meeting or parting, to be well. So if things aren't well, you shouldn't say that they are. Is that what this is saying here? If someone's not believing this doctrine and they're, pre, they're bringing something else, don't say, oh, it'll be okay. Yeah, may you prosper on your trip. I mean, that's John Glenn. You know, may this be a good trip and may you come back again. Um, so yeah, we're being told not to do this here if someone is not teaching true doctrine. I, that's how I'm taking that. Talking about deceivers and antichrist. And yeah. So are we doing that in some way? It's a question to ponder. <clears throat> Anyone else? I wasn't really looking for an answer on that one right now. You all got so sober. I think. Edomay. I thought maybe I should share a little bit of a report <clears throat> since I saw the cardiologist this past week. Um, she, um, she said because my heart is not in sync with left and right side, she thinks our best bet to to move forward with this would be a pacemaker so that the heart can be back into sync again. She said it can't really pump blood the way it needs to as long as it's not working together, the right and the left side. So she said because the heart has not responded to the medication, pretty much nothing. I mean, it's pretty much back to where it was in the beginning. Um, she said, she feels like this is our best option. Um, she trained with a doctor, his name is Dr. Juan. You can pray for him that he has wisdom. Um, she said she, she could get me in with other doctors a lot sooner, but she really wants me to have him because he's the best. And so I have to wait till December 5th for that appointment to meet with him, and I think she called him something like an electrical physicist or something. He works with the heart electricity. Hmm. And um, if they put a pacemaker in, they actually wire those wires into the muscle of the heart. And she said, it will never be taken out unless there would be some unforeseen thing. But she said, it's more dangerous to take them out than it is to leave it in for life. So you can just all be praying about that. I'd rather not have a pacemaker, but I would rather not feel like this for the rest of my life either. Mm -hmm. So if God wants to perform a miracle and just fix the heart, that'd be great. 
So far, he has chosen not to do that. It doesn't make me love him less. He's still faithful. I have a lot to be thankful for. Um, yeah, just you can just pray for that December 5th appointment. She said it should not go real long after that date if they decide to go ahead with the pacemaker, that they would probably proceed fairly quickly to that. Um, Dr. Wan is his name. Um, also pray for the young man that was shot in the head in Arizona a couple nights ago, I forget which night it was, but he was on the street corner preaching and somebody shot him. He's still fighting for his life to my knowledge. He has a wife and two children. And I forget his name, Hans something, Hans Schmidt. So I think it would be nice to just pray for that family. They're going through a lot, I'm sure. So thank you all. Mary, up front here, Isaac. Over here. No, Mary, on the front row. There you go. Talking about miracles, we just witnessed another miracle with my mom. When we left here three weeks ago, we were expecting there'd be a funeral. Hmm. She had double pneumonia, her one lung was completely closed up, and they cleaned it out, and today she is up and going again. You would hardly know she had been sick. So God is still working miracles. And during, it was just such a blessing to spend that time with them. It was a very special time that we had with them. And during that time, it was also listening to a message there about casting all your cares upon him, for he careth for you. And it's been a challenge to me ever since, remembering to cast all hmm. my cares in Christ. I think it would be a fair question to ask, how do we cast our cares on him? <laughs> Stop worrying. Stop worrying. I heard it explained one time that um, that word, and I haven't looked it up recently, but it's the idea of throwing and shaking it off. It's like it's sticking to us. And so it's, uh, it's intentional, and it takes work to get rid of worries. It's not like I'm carrying this heavy sandbag, and I just, like, let it go. It's not quite that easy. That's a burden, that's a weight, I need to let go, but our casting our cares, our worries, I think we all would agree with that, right? They kind of stick. You say, hey, I let go of it, but it didn't fall. I need to shake it off, you know? It's, it, takes a, it takes some effort, some in, I gotta decide, I'm gonna get rid of this thing. Um, Jay has another comment up here. I'm practicing what you preached right now because I realized I locked my keys in my car. So I'm shaking off the worry. <laughs> so that you can stay here and, and, and um, be a part of the meeting. No, I, mean, I just mean I'm shaking it off, but I could use help. You could use some so. help, okay. <laughs> Can we sing Psalm 1043? 1043? Sure. Oh, 743? Thank you. I was like, there's no 1043. I even have my hearing aids in. <laughs> it's not working. Walking in sunlight all of my journey, 743. Mm, 
also, walking in sunlight up. fitting song. <clears throat> Maybe I'll share a little um, kind of where my mind went when Josh was reading Luke 9 there. And <clears throat> this gave me um, some clarity this week on where where I have been, and I don't know the answer, I shared it, Jay and I were talking Friday night, and I shared with a few others too, but seeing where I'm at, and maybe you can put yourself in this picture also, and say, how can I move, be praying this year, how can I move from where I'm at to where Christ wants me to be? Maybe you are exactly where Christ wants you to be, but I'm seeing that I, I need a move, and I'm not quite sure what that looks like. And so the abiding, we were talking about abiding. The question was raised, is abiding the same as walking in the truth? I think was, you know, what is abiding? What is walking in the truth? Um, <clears throat> and what does that look like? Am I where Christ wants me to be, has called me to be? And... So I had, I was in a conversation where they taught, they wanted me to place myself on this diagram. And so here at the top, we'll call this high invitation. Down here, we got low invitation. Over here, we have high challenge. And over here we have low challenge. <clears throat> and when Christ says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. High invitation, he went to them, and he gave them a high challenge. And this over here, This creates a multiplicative culture. It spreads. 
and overflows. If we come down around this side, where I have high invitation and low challenge, this is the, hey, you know what? I'm having a small group at my house. Everybody's welcome. The children are going to have a blast. I'll come over, and we sit around and have a good time. So it's a high invitation. There's a lot of effort put into getting a lot of people there. There's no challenge to it. And so we end up with a cozy culture. It's, it's all nice and good. And then <clears throat> low challenge, low invitation. This is where we go by default, I think, as people. We often do. We just kind of, this is a lazy culture. I will show up at church on Sunday morning because that's the thing to do. That's where my people are. But I'm not putting anything into it. And nobody's really coming after me either. And I'm not following Christ's call on my life. And so we end up with the lazy culture. High challenge, there's a lot of work to do. It's kind of a just do it. Get the job done. There's nothing. The relationship might be lacking. The time to talk through things. The, and this creates a discouraged culture. There's a lot of work to do, and I just need to grind it out. <clears throat> and as we were talking through this, I realized, you know what? I've approached work and life. You know, sometimes you face pain in life. There's just work that has to get done. You're a parent. You've got to stay up late. There's just work that has to just do it, you know, just get it done. You bring this into the church, and relationships are weak. But come on, guys, the call is high. Just get it done. And I thought, you know what? I'm down here somewhere. I've looked at life as, you know what? It's just a lot of work. Just get it done. Just grit your teeth. My job this year, how do I get up there? Where do you put, where do you see yourself on this diagram? And then start praying, God, how do I get here? What does that look like? And I think the challenge as a group is what I'm seeing is how do we help each other from wherever we're at move to where Christ is calling us to be? We have grown up in one of these four. We've experienced one of these, and we tend to look at church that way. Is that what I have experienced, and you see a lot of shipwrecks out there wandering around, saying, well, there's got to be something better, right, than what I experienced. And yes, there does. In many cases, there does need to be something. But there's hope. This speaks of hope. Christ, he followed God and did God's will and called us, called us to get a job done that none of us are big enough for. We need God and his power and that abiding for us to do and accomplish what he has called us to do. As I look at this, something just hit me. It's like, I'm depending on my own strength to try to get this thing done, right? If I'm camped down here. Um, here, I don't know. I think I've been here at different stages of life, too. I might be depending on everybody else to get the job done. You know what? I'm, I'm kind of in a nice group here, and I'm depending. Jay, I'm expecting you to meet the challenge, you know, because I'm with you, and so I'm going to benefit from that if you just go ahead and get it done, you know. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts on the lazy one? Low challenge, low invitation. There's a lot of things in life that can put us there, too. Like Ada Mae, you don't have the strength you used to have. Maybe, you know, what's the use? I'll just sit down. I can't do anything anymore anyway. 
maybe I don't trust the medical doctor. I'm not saying this is you, but maybe I don't trust the medical doctor, so I'm not going to get a pacemaker. I'm just going to sit on the couch and die. You know? <laughs> um, so it makes sense why we end up in these different places, right? We can have excuses. We have our excuses. We need to lay those aside and say, God, you've got something else for me. <clears throat> Have I decided? There's another, ver- another word in... I'm changing, changing a little bit here, but in this, I kind of put that out there as a testimony of what God's doing in my heart right now. And um, hopefully it can, we can all be praying for that. Pray for me that I know. And if you guys, you have it figured out and you have some words for me, I'd like to hear it. Um, what have you seen happen? I've seen the, de- the destruction that that brings. I don't want to stay there. I want to move, move on. Am I, I don't remember which verse, I thought Jay was going to mention it when he talked about Godspeed, but there's another word, fellow helpers. What verse was that in? Um, I think it was in Third John. Verse 8. Yeah. We therefore ought to receive such that we might be fellow helpers to the truth. Have I set my face, made my decision, that I will be a fellow helper of the truth? wherever that takes me. Have I set my face and said, God, I will do your will. It's a matter of following his will, right? We brought up the the verse of um, someone in in Sunday school brought up, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. So what is iniquity? Iniquity is doing my own will instead of doing God's will. So, in talking about, there's a lot of good people in the world that are not following Christ. Their life and my life might look the same. What's the difference? Yeah. Am I doing the will of God or am I doing what I think is a good idea? And it looks good to all you guys, so it must be right, right? But is it the will of God? That is what we will be judged on. Have I done the will of God? Have I listened to him? He will tell me how to be a fellow helper. Jay doesn't like to go camping in the mountains, men's retreats, something like that. What did you say the other day? You don't, you don't like the, fl- the fluffy stuff. And... I'm probably mischaracterizing you, but anyway. Jay's different than me. I'm like, yeah, let's go. Let's do this thing. And he's like, I've done enough of that in my life already. So what is, (laughs) the question is, what is God's will for Jay? What is God's will for me? And then go do that. My brother-in-law grew up on a farm in North Dakota and he loves the outdoors. And where did God call him? New York City. I grew up in the city and outdoors some in Canada, but my early years, I remember the city a lot. And then I lived in the city for a few years, going to school and with the mission and outreach and children's ministries. But then I moved to Wyoming, and now I do a lot of stuff outdoors. And we've talked about it. It's like, it seems opposite. Why did God not call him to spend more time outdoors and call me to be in the city? That seems to be the natural fit. But evidently, that wasn't the will of God, right? So what is, what is God's will? If I'm listening to his will and walking, that's abiding, that's walking with God, that's... It's not me 
it's not only just me writing down on paper the best course that I think I should take and then doing that. I think that can be part of determining where God wants to, what has God made me to be? Well, I like doing this, I like, you know, those exercises are good, but at the end of the day, what is God nudging my heart, guiding my steps? What is he preparing me to do? Am I willing to do that? It might be a, a step of faith. The thing that God has created me to do and has given me experiences in and I've trained for, and yet it looks too big. Can this actually be what God's calling me to do? I need to take that step of faith to actually step out into what he's calling me to do, even though I know that he's prepared me for this thing. So, Jay, you need to pray about that. That God's will to go to the mountains in Montana with me next August. That's the question. Um, I didn't put that in there. I'll leave that out. But if you want to do those too, that'd be... <laughs> um, It is God's will that we be fellow helpers to the truth. So anyway, that's what's been going through my heart this week. A couple things that coming up for me this morning, talking about being God current just kind of made me think of flying and you know if you're going to stay sharp you have to stay current and if you stop flying you lose your edge right you lose that fine edge so I was thinking about that and so like that might be different things for different people in different seasons but right now for me that staying current involves helping other men grow into who they, they should be. And when we do that, when we teach, we grow ourselves. We mm -hmm. keep that edge honed. And what Janelle said yes, uh, a little bit ago came up for me yesterday. I spent the better part of the day with some men going through some training and <coughs> giving them the opportunity to look at themselves, the old man, and the possibility of what the new man might could look like. And one thing that I brought up yesterday was this kind versus nice mentality. We tend to grab onto this idea that as men or leaders or bosses or um, even employees that we have a responsibility to be nice. And that's not what I see fleshed out um, by Jesus' actions. I, I had to look up the verse, but in John, when he made a scourge and he drove the people out of the mm -hmm. temple, you know, was he being nice? So, like, did he just take the whip and just wave it over his head and say, get out? You know, I don't know. It doesn't say. But he made a whip. He made a tool. <coughs> so I can imagine that he used it to motivate them to get out of the temple. And so while it may not be our version of nice, I think we could agree that Jesus was always kind. So, you know, that kindness in that moment is what those people needed. It's what he needed to do to get them out of the temple. And I think a lot of times we confuse the two, of nice and kind. Mm -hmm. And I think that's an important distinction to keep in mind. And then on your diagram up there, I think the fear that I go into of being in the top right corner is if I'm truly going to operate there well, <clears throat> I have to be vulnerable. And vulnerability is different from transparency. Vulnerability is I'm going to give you something you can hurt me with. <laughs> and if I do that, then a lot of times what happens is the people in the lower left corner, they'll rise up against you. Mm. Because pain is the path. They don't like pain. There's a reason that they're down there. And so That's in true. their effort to remain comfortable, they'll use everything they can to bring you down from the top right mm -hmm. corner because it's making them uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And people in the top left corner will often join in with people in the top right because, yeah, they're high imitation, but they're low challenge. So means they're more of 
maybe a follower. Mm -hmm. They're not a leader. You know, just as I'm sitting here looking at, at this. And then, <clears throat> you know, in the bottom right, um, high challenge, low imitation, what that says to me, uh, sitting here looking at it, is I can do it better than anybody else. Hmm. So, um, just some thoughts I had around that. And, you know, why do I not want to be in the top right? It's because it puts me in a place where people have the opportunity to speak ill of me or try to bring me down or, uh, and that's very uncomfortable. So I really appreciated that this morning, what you shared, Dave, and then um, I had to think as well too, I think the word picture that came to mind was, I was, uh, I know, I'm sorry if I speak this into existence, but I was thinking of a snowstorm, right? And, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, they say every snowflake is a different shape, mm -hmm. right? So we're all different, mm -hmm. but when it's all laid down on the ground, it looks really beautiful and it works well together, right? And so I was like, why don't we celebrate each other more in the calling that God has given us because just because mm -hmm. we don't agree with it and it's not for us doesn't mean that it's not for that person. So I was really challenged by that this morning, just thinking about that. And then also today I've been kind of reflective about life and getting older because Savannah turned eight today. <laughs> Happy birthday, Savannah. <laughs> well, thank you to each one that shared. I appreciate that. Each one that shared this morning. <clears throat> Let's um, yeah, I'll pray for some of these prayer requests and um, that were brought up.